0: We're back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm fantastic, man. It's 50 degrees out. That's yeah. Not really, it's not really very nice, but I, you know, it's all relative. So. I. The last week was absolute pure shit weather-wise, and I, I couldn't complain about it because
1: like Texas was being destroyed, so it was like. I couldn't be like, oh, it's sleeting again. Yeah, <laughs> what a downer. Like, there's my just power- a lot
0: of different ways things can suck. But it is good that you were willing to be like, the thing that's sucking for me is not the worst thing that could suck for anyone.
1: No, no, right. Like, the power went out for two hours, like last Tuesday, and I was like, oh, gee, will you look at that? We have to, we have, we have to, we have to light candles and talk to one another. This is horrible. This is unacceptable. <laughs> I still have that little blackout, like kick for like five seconds, where you light the candles and you're like, "Wow, we're at a seance. This is awesome." Yep. And then, and then it's
0: like, you know what? I'd really like to turn on the fucking TV. It I'm might be cool. cooler if you had kids around. It also might be unbearable if you had kids around. My youngest had not. I, th- I
1: told you this yesterday. My youngest had not been through a blackout. That's how long he had been had a blackout. And he like it. Like he was when the fir- when the lights first went out. He was like, "This is cool." And then three minutes later, he's like, "I'm getting kind of freaked out now, and I don't like it." And, and then he was just bitching every five seconds. All like, right, we'll, Did we'll you?
0: turn him back on then.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Actually, I'm the power company, young man," <laughs> yes. and I, I've decided to turn turn the lights back on. Anyway, the point being that it was like it was all the dreaded wintry mix all last week, and then the sun finally came out like yesterday or something. And I was like, "Oh, the sun that exists, right? That's really
0: nice. I like the sun." Yeah, we've and, like, been beaten down enough by this that I'm like fully I I know that 50 degrees isn't that nice but like I'm ready to delude myself and be like I'm going to go outside maybe I'll wear shorts maybe I won't wear anything at all and it's not uh you know that's stupid and wrong but uh I'm looking forward to it no
1: like the sun goes down at like 5:30 now instead of 4:30 so I'm like this is like summer oh my god <laughs> Uh, but our guest, we gotta welcome our guest. It's new defector staff writer, Kaylin Kaler. Hi, Kaylin. Yeah. Hey guys, how are
2: you?
0: Pretty good. We were talking about the weather, but you should feel free to chime in. What's <laughs> yeah. the temperature? What's the barometric situation around Abs- you? Well, absolutely. I'm in, Ch-
2: I'm in Chicago, so we've been through it. We've had like record snow this year, which honestly. I found myself really enjoying winter in a way that I haven't in the last probably, like, decade. And I think it's just because of the pandemic. Like, there's nothing to do, so I might as well, like, have fun and enjoy that it's snowing every single day.
0: Yeah. It's incredible how, like, much my expectations of what I should be getting out of life have been altered in this. And I've been, you know, lucky in the sense that, like, I have, you know, myself have not been sick. But, like, yeah, it's definitely, like... Things that would previously have been annoyances are now basically the stand-ins for the entertainment that I can't consume. Right. So I'm like, whoa, it's windy. You should see Check these trees out. Look at them. (laughs) They're blowing around. Right. I'm basically just an 85-year-old man who sits near a window all day.
2: Right. I feel the same way. Like Talking about weather is actually interesting now. (laughs)
0: Right <laughs> this is a, it's one of america's most popular weather for uh podcasts yeah. and we're gonna keep this going 45 <laughs> more minutes
1: i also i like i binge watched tv last week for the first time like usually when i watch tv i watch sports and like there was so much prestige yeah, yeah, TV. Buddy. like i was the guy i was the guy bitching like there's too much prestige tv it's too much tv it's all homework and then i watched uh the Outsider on HBO, which is only ten episodes, and it's only one season. I think it's only gonna be one season, because I don't, I don't, no one else, no one else watched it or something like that. And I was like, this is fucking awesome, and like it was the most I had watched like scripted TV, and like I watched five episodes one day. That's wow. the most TV I've watched, like sh- like actual TV, not sports, in like twenty years. Since, like since like binge watching like I Love
0: the Eighties on VH1. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> but you've like gotten to the bottom of your brain now. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. it. This is, like, what's left is the thing that you can just watch five consecutive hours of TV and be like, I enjoyed it. But if there if <laughs> there hadn't been a death plague killing half
1: a million people, I would have gone out and, like, enjoyed a sandwich outside oh, be instead. Doing, and that would yeah, have been you'd tragic. You'd be
0: doing Ironmans by now or something. Mm-hmm.
1: It's just different. <laughs> Kellen's with us because she is an NFL expert, far more expert in the sport than you and I, Roth. And last week we had Dan McQuaid on, and Dan is a Philly fan and we're on the cusp of a Carson Wentz tweet I said tweet yes, <laughs> do it leave it
0: <laughs>
1: that yeah. was weather Carson we are, Wentz we are
0: pleased to announce that we have traded Carson Wentz
1: <laughs>
2: it's really hard anyway. to say it really is a tongue twister yeah
1: anyway this week uh, Carson this week Carson Wentz was traded to the Indianapolis Colts uh, and um, uh, the parameters are a third round pick this spring Kalen and a second round pick in 2022 that can become a first rounder provided he plays 75% of the snaps uh, in 2021. And I would take that as a given if Carson Wentz was not prone to RG3 level, (laughs) like caliber injuries every five weeks. So uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, because this comes after it felt to me like the Eagles fired Doug Peterson essentially because. Uh, they didn't think Peterson was committed to Wentz and they were committed to Wentz, but then they weren't really committed to Wentz. So I don't really know what the fuck happened in Philadelphia. Can you give me any sort of illumination on that?
2: It's definitely a clusterfuck. And I think there's a lot of things going on. Part of it is like QB empowerment that we've seen. Like, I think there's been like a seismic change, and this is going to be a really important time, like the last couple of weeks with. Jared Goff, Matt Stafford trade, um, Carson Wentz getting traded, Deshaun Watson's trade demand, Russell Wilson actually saying something interesting for once in his life, like <laughs> the, the only time he's ever actually had a real thing to say that wasn't like a you know a sports cliche. Um, right. So I do think we're seeing an Aaron Rodgers had l- ruffled a little feathers with his post game. Um, uh, press conference so I do think we're seeing like, a change there so I think that was part of it like Wentz I think was pretty clear behind closed doors that he wanted a new s- situation but it is really weird because Nick Sirianni um, the new head coach they hired like from everything I could tell when they hired him, the purpose was, oh, this is a guy who has the credentials who can fix Carson Wentz. So it's really interesting that, I mean, that was just like the beginning of January, right? Mid-January, like feels like it was now years ago. Um, But it seems like in the last month, you know, everything changed for them. And I think the biggest takeaway is that no one's untradeable anymore, which I think is really interesting. Like I think that that term like oh you can't move him like he's got this massive contract that used to be this crutch that we'd all be like oh well that person could never get traded like that quarterback could never get traded but Jared Goff and Carson Wentz like both of them I don't even think their massive extensions had really even kicked in yet and they were both Both of those teams, you know, got rid of them. And is it good for either of them? No, they both took massive cap hits, but there's really no such thing anymore as like a player who can't be moved, which I think is really interesting. And, you know, as fans, as players, like there's just going to be a lot more going on, I think, in the future and particularly when it comes to quarterbacks. But With Wentz, I mean, I don't know. It's really strange because you're right. Like they fired Doug Peterson because Wentz and Doug Peterson weren't talking apparently for eight, nine, 10 weeks. That was the Adam Schefter report. Which was a whole other layer of this, and I was like, "Well, no wonder you guys sucked." Like, yeah. right? <laughs> what is going on? I don't know. That was crazy. I actually texted a bunch of like quarterback coaches just to see if that was even actually possible. <laughs> like, how yeah. did they manage this? Yeah, he calls the, the fucking I plays.
0: Similar, I had a similar thought. Like, just logistically, the idea of like working with someone for two months and not talking to them much is like extremely difficult for me to imagine.
2: Yep, and I'm like, what are they doing? Like passive aggressive post it notes or are they, you know, like is jail is Nate Sudfeld like the third string quarterback? Is he kind of like the go between, like, yeah. hey Doug Carson, um, he doesn't like that second play in the script this week. Could you uh, edit that, please?
0: This is coming from Carson, by the way. I think the play is great, sir. <laughs> yeah, and I would yeah. love, I'd love to be able to play the second half at some point in a way that gets a bunch of people fired, if <laughs> right. that's okay. Well, is it possible that they that they did talk like at work, but then
1: not at all? I, you know, like like you know how TV studio people like. Like they'll talk to each other on the air, like "How was your day?" and then like they fucking hate each other. Yeah. Like Andrew yeah. and, and I already like don't that, talk. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, that's right. Yeah, we're all the night Yeah, like no. Other. After Ugh. I
2: texted some coaches, none of whom were in Philadelphia, so nobody had like inside info. But they were like they interpreted that to mean that, you know, on game day, obviously they're communicating because that would be pretty impossible to be having a game (laughs) and like not saying anything to your head coach as a starting quarterback. However, your head coach, who is the play caller, but they said, I mean, and this is like a key, you know, just basic thing that you do if you want to succeed in the NFL. If you're a play caller, you usually meet individually with your quarterback um, during the week, at least once or twice. A lot of guys will do it, like, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, sometimes even on Saturdays, Um, and they're going over, like, hey, which plays do you feel comfortable with? What should we run this week? You know, that kind of thing. like basic asking your quarterback like what they think they can do and that was what wasn't happening apparently from the interpretation of outside coaches like they were like yeah I could see how you just weren't having the one-on-one discussions between Wentz and Doug and honestly they had so many offensive coaches this year that was the other storyline there was like there was just way too many cooks in the kitchen um that I think they could get away with that because they had like two senior offensive assistants who probably were serving as some kind of go-between or a layer. Um, Then they had an offensive coordinator. Then they had Doug Peterson. So there was just a lot of voices in that offense that I think you could probably get away with having to talk to your quarterback.
1: Because I feel like, uh, I believe it was Press Taylor who was like Carson's like guy on the coaching staff. And Press Taylor left the coaching staff before Wentz got traded. I feel like when he got, when Press Taylor left, I was like, oh, oh, they might actually do it.
2: Right. The thing that surprised me the most, I think, was that the Bears, uh, Ryan Pace, did not wildly overpay for Carson Wentz (laughs) because and I think the only reason they didn't is because they knew that Carson didn't want to go there. Like, I think that's why they weren't really involved in the end, because there were some reports that came out that obviously Carson would prefer going to Indianapolis um, with Frank Reich and just a better team in general. But I was just—I I thought there was only one way it could end, and with like Ryan Pace like selling the farm for Carson Wentz because he really liked him um, in the 2016 draft, and he has a very recent history, <laughs> two times of overpaying for quarterbacks, Mitch, Trub- Mitch Trubisky and Mike Glennon. So I was like, okay, there's only one way this could end. So that was the only reason I was surprised, really, by how this ended.
1: How? Uh, how? Who will Ryan Pace uh, trade too much for to have be start? I can't believe I fucked that up. To Have start a <laughs> quarterback of... for the Bears. Have B start. Have B
2: start. I don't know. Uh, honestly, I could see them signing Ryan Fitzpatrick for too much money.
0: <laughs> yes. Ooh, <laughs> what? you're pandering now, but I I like it. Yeah, yeah I'd love that. That would be. So yeah,
2: fun. and like I think he played, you know, the perfect amount last season for the Dolphins, where we didn't see the typical like. Fitzmagic run out so I think the you know recency bias there could push them to be like yeah you know he could last us maybe two years and you know probably he he can't I (laughs)
0: love the idea of that I mean I feel like it's obviously I mean I love the idea of Ryan Fitzpatrick starting for any NFL team (laughs) My, my opinion on him is a matter of public record but I think that would be a uniquely uh bad decision and uh, also kind of funny just in the sense first of all just that's a fun last name to imagine people with a chicago accent saying like disgustedly be like fitzpatrick being like, Fitz can't <laughs> yeah. believe this guy <laughs> <laughs> like, damn
2: fitzpatrick
0: <laughs> that, that's a good that's a good chicago move. i like <laughs> well, it Kaylin, you're an upper midwestern person yeah. right so you should i'm be- from
2: wisconsin so it's basically the same thing
0: yeah you can flip the switch and get that accent popping if you need to
2: yeah i feel like I chicago- would also say- oh go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, I would have said Cam Newton. I mean, obviously, he, they wouldn't be trading. They'd have to um, you know, sign him. I would have said Cam, but the fact that they passed on Cam last year and they did do their work on Cam last year makes me think that's not going to be something the Bears are going to explore. But I would – I mean, I think Cam definitely deserves another chance because I think he said recently that he was – like coronavirus affected him like throughout the season. Like – um, some sort of symptoms are just like dealing with the aftermath of that. So I do, and I kind of wondered that during the season. You know, how do you just like pick up right away and just keep going with your job after you've had uh, coronavirus? So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the camp, but I don't think it'll be Chicago.
1: Yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, from, and I've not had coronavirus, but you know, you ask people who have had it, it's, they say it's incredibly, incredibly debilitating. Like they're just massively fatigued. Even people who have gotten vaccinated, one of the side effects of the vaccine right off the bat is that it, it can put you on your ass for like a day or two. And that, that is not, you know. And we didn't, we didn't really, as supposedly transparent as the NFL was about their coronavirus eff- efforts, you would get guys like Andy Dalton going back out on the field being like, yeah, I, can, I still can't smell anything. And uh, <laughs> yeah. still feel kind of low
0: logy, but I'll be <laughs> all right And yeah, Yeah. like, next man up, you know, it's a um, win or don't win league or whatever. But you can't, the idea (laughs) of like... Win or don't win. (laughs) That's the the cliche there, right? But the the idea of trying to, like, play quarterback while you can't feel some of your toes is like, yeah, obviously there's something extremely wrong there. And I don't know, I mean, I still, like, can't admit that it's the end for Cam Newton, if it is indeed the end for Cam Newton. Like, he was so great when he was great. And last year just didn't feel like representative in any meaningful way to me like he didn't look good but also like the whole season didn't feel right you know like I can't write him off on that
2: I agree yeah I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens with him next year and especially now that he has the added motivation of proving that child wrong yeah, from his seven-on-seven uh, seven camp or whatever that Awful little
0: kid yelling at him, trying to do a <laughs> what-are-those on Cam Newton. Yeah. <laughs> the guy is dressed like, like all three of the witches from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> he doesn't care what you think of his clothes. <laughs> right. I want to ask you
1: then, I want to ask you about Wentz in Indy, because in theory, the Wentz trade could prove that Frank Reich was the brains of the operation for the 2017 Eagles all along if he gets Wentz back to 2017 MVP caliber levels uh, and that Doug Pearson was a fucking fraud. Uh, but do you think that is realistic? Like, what are the odds of that actually happening?
2: It's a good question. Um, I feel like, to the first point of your question, I think Frank Reich has already proved he was the brains of that operation um, without even being able to resuscitate Carson Wentz. I mean, right. obviously, that would be a huge part of it, but I think regardless of what happens to Wentz, um, it's very obvious that Frank Reich was the person holding it together and what really made that work there um and i do think i mean i do think he will be able to you know quote unquote fix him i don't really like that term but i do think he'll be able to do that um i don't know the mental aspect is what i think is really interesting here is that i i mean carson if you just think about his career like he had to he had to Injured that Super Bowl run then the next year imagine the pressure of being like yeah I'm, I have to take over this team again and they just won a Super Bowl without me and I wasn't the guy but I have to come back from this injury so I just feel like mentally there's been a lot that he's had to deal with and then the team drafting jalen hurts last year i don't think helped that situation so i think it'll be really good for him to get out of philadelphia and that sort of like vicious media market i don't think indianapolis is a comparison at all to that so you don't know think the indy
0: <laughs> the indy media market is bloodlust <laughs> right. blood of the indianapolis media market. right a lot it's of guys can't make nice. it. yeah <laughs> they can't make it under the the bright lights of the city by the land <laughs> Also, yeah. the Colts are loaded, so really, right. it's, it's one of those rare things where
1: all they needed was a quarterback, and they got so much out of like a dead Phillip Rivers for yeah. like one yeah. season, right. just because they were so loaded everywhere else, and they were well-coached. So, in theory, in theory, Wentz doesn't really have to do all that much to succeed. Now, he is the type to want to do everything himself, and that's part of what fucked him in Philly, so I think it'll be interesting to see whether or not he actually exceeds to You know, what, you know, what Reich is trying to do and, you know, doesn't try to be Mr. Hero ball for.
2: And their offensive line is a big step up. They just need to figure out, I think they just need a left tackle right now because Anthony Costanzo retired. Um, So they have to figure out kind of shifting guys or maybe drafting someone or assigning a free agent there. But I think that will help a lot too because a lot of. I mean, I think a lot of it was on Wentz last season in Philadelphia, but a lot of it was also like that offensive line was just breaking down consistently. Yeah. Yes,
0: the, the Wentz highlights that we watched in preparation, or I watched in preparation for McQuaid <laughs> last week were like it was astonishing because you could see it's like everything that you said was correct. Like the line was very bad; there were not, you know, like there it didn't seem like he necessarily had a chance, and then he would make the worst decision or the worst throw that I've ever seen a quarterback make. Right. So, like, you still have to blame him, even (laughs) though it's not his fault, which is really remarkable.
2: Right, right, exactly.
1: Uh, Can I ask you, um, because obviously the Eagles still have to take a cap hit because of Wentz's contract, uh, and Jared Goff also had a big contract, but um, a writer I like, uh, Ty Dunn, who has his own site called Go Long, TD, he believes the cap, the salary cap is not real in the NFL. Like and I don't think that that is an uncommon sentiment of all, a lot of people inside the game. Do you believe that the salary cap is like all that hard or is it really only hard based upon an owner's willingness to be flexible with it?
2: Yeah, I am by no means a cap expert. Um it's actually one thing I I'm going to try to fix this off season. Is I
1: drive. A, we got to get you eating you know, the cap tape,
2: learn, <laughs> learning like a, the cap tape. That's great. Learning like a little bit more about that. Um, but from talking to agents, like I was just talking to one last week about, you know, what they're going to set the cap at this year. And he was like, well, the league, if they wanted to, they could just, you know, continue on as it's been in years past and not set it lower. Um, cause I think a lot of teams are kind of bracing to have to redo restructure some some contracts so they can get contracts so they can get under the cap because it's supposed to be lower this year but those TV rights negotiations are going on right now and they i mean the league has the money to do kind of whatever they want with right. the cap really so i kind of agree with that it's like this imaginary almost concept. So I do agree and I think it does depend like I think if you're a general manager that's creative like you can do anything really with restructuring co- contracts to afford who you want to afford. Like I I think if you're using the cap as like an excuse as to why you can't sign a certain free agent or you know why you can't make a trade or something like you just haven't really sh- done the puzzle correctly if that makes sense.
1: We also know that Uh, the NFL's on the cusp of renewing all their TV rights and there was a report that they already asked Disney for double the rights uh, that they had and Disney balked at this but like we're talking about the possibility of the league being able to hit the $27 billion growth threshold that that uh, that Roger Goodell had established for which I thought was very stupid when he established just sort of arbitrary number he pulled out of his ass but that's how all CEOs do their business anyway so the you know I'll, there's so many of these cap restrictions. That's just shit based on like a cap. Okay, the cap is is not going up enough this year, but it's altogether possible the salary cap will be like 250 million dollars in like three years, and you can you yeah. can adjust for that, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. It's I mean, yeah, we just need to know how these negotiations are going. But yeah, if they're going to hit that, as you said, arbitrary benchmark, which is just such an insane number, like yeah, I think they can do kind of whatever they want with that. And I think it's interesting because I was talking to an agent. I'm like, well, when do they have to like set the cap? And he's like, literally they could do it like the day before the league year starts. So the new league year is March 17th. So they really don't have to like say what it is until March 16th. And I'm like, well, shit, I would be like panicking if I was a, you know, GM or someone in charge of like managing all of that, because you kind of need to know what you're working with a little bit in advance. This is well, do they kind of know? for leagues. This is I like think they probably kind of know, yeah. Uh,
0: this is Roth, like what with is, Major League Baseball not announcing whether there's going to be a designated hitter or not. This is like the, the big right. new move for leagues is just not doing anything until the very last moment. The de Blasio method of executive excellence. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about baseball, Roth, because uh, we're oh. just coming off the heels of the legendary Kevin Mather. I don't know if it's oh. Mather or Mather. The most famous Mather since Cotton. Uh he got yeah. he got caught talking to the fucking Rotary Club <laughs> on on YouTube and uh and and made fun of, of one of his players for being overpaid. Uh he made fun of a player
0: uh for not being able to speak English well. Uh he the, said that player, by the way, the best prospect in baseball. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> uh you, you know, you really gotta that, question your you're,
1: anyway, go on. So. Yeah, you know, openly said that they were, you know, they were they were keeping guys down in the minors so that they are they wouldn't uh, so they wouldn't accrue like uh, earned playing time so that they they wouldn't be able to be paid until later in their life, and all the you know all the shit that we know that MLB teams do. So then, of course, uh, Kevin resigned, and the difference between re- resigned and fired is just strictly legalese now. Like it doesn't fucking mean anything. He's not with the Mariners anymore. But to that end. Roth, was there anything anything further illuminating about
0: his whole episode that matters at all? I think this kind of, uh, like, the, what's interesting about it, to me, is how comfortable he was talking that shit. Yes! Um, and I guess it's, like, you know, it's one thing, I think everything that he said in terms of it being, like, this, like, weird sort of paternalistic view of players and complaining about having to pay people salaries that they've earned and, you know, bitching about this and that like everybody knows that that's what not just baseball executives but sports executives in general that's how they they think of the people that work under them like you can see it in the shape that the the league has taken and also like you know like overall and then individually you know the way that different clubs do business to me i think that like the part that was surprising to me like so i don't really know much about what a rotary club is. I played for a youth basketball team that was sponsored by one, uh, which was nice and I appreciated that. They did good work. But like I also played for a team called Dr. Godart's plaque attackers. Like it was just a small Ooh. business thing and that was how it worked. The
1: Isn't
2: it
0: the same we, shit as like Lions Clubs, yeah, like the I think it is. Isn't it just that? Like, like old nice men drinking. Of
2: Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. So basically
0: it's just a a men a place where men go. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's not like the Chamber of Commerce or whatever, where you're going there and you're like, oh, these guys are, are business people and they have money and I have to try to impress them. No, this no, dude no. This just, like, got on a Zoom call with some dudes he couldn't even fucking see <laughs> and was like, how many of you uh, have a suspicion of minorities? And he was like, show of hands. Like, it was, like, the most embarrassing attempt to show out for, like, just the most, like, just a bunch of suburban, like, older dudes. Like it's so weird. Believe- it's like a bowling yeah. team that doesn't bowl. It's- yeah, which I am really like. Yeah, it's basically like the whole reason that you join is that there's like a bar in the lodge, and you don't like going to bars where there's like other people that aren't old. Yes, I guess, or I don't know. Which again, I you know, I, who among us can cast the first stone? There, like I am, I'm a hundred percent with them on that. But yeah, like to me, the it was the the theatrics of it, the idea that like this is just something that like. Not just that other people would find cool, which is clearly what he was trying to do was, like, show off in some way. But the idea of it being, like, an opinion that other people would share about a baseball team and the players on it, I think suggests how, like, far gone uh, that class is at this point. That the, like, the issue, I think, for baseball— And I don't think this is the case with with the NFL for all of its problems. Is that I think that the people that own Major League Baseball teams, and I think a lot of the people that run Major League Baseball teams, don't really care for baseball or Major League Baseball teams very much. And I think that's a really bad situation to be in.
1: Yeah, it's weird because, in theory, you know, baseball, given its CBA, ought to be the most freewheeling sport. You you could
0: spend whatever you want.
1: Yeah, like the contras should be fucking huge and all that, and they're not. It doesn't. It's it's so it, so it makes, it you know it makes the the pretext of salary caps, and and you know just sort of the economic model. It makes it all feel very illusory, I believe. So yeah. So it you know it's it seems most pronounced in baseball. I don't know. Are there other sports where it's does it feel that way for the NBA? I don't even know like how I feel about how the NBA handles this shit.
0: NBA is weird, too, because it's all – the league office is so image conscious and it's so – like, manages the way that that stuff – I mean, I don't think that there's any way that you could say that, like, NBA teams are more progressive in their approach to paying players or thinking about their obligations to the community or whatever. But, like, they sure aren't as, like, flagrantly in violation of those rules as baseball (laughs) teams are. (sighs) Oh God, that's depressing. What's also what? funny about Mather is that the Mariners suck and have sucked for twenty years. <laughs> i don't and he's want been to been there the whole either. time. By the way, uh Kalen, you're a Cubs fan. How do you feel
1: right now? Because you won, you know, obviously you won the title uh, a few years ago, got off the schneid, but now like they're they're a demonstrably evil organization that doesn't seem to give a shit. Like, how does that affect you as a Cubs fan?
2: Yeah, I kind of have been less i mean i have been like less into them since we won the world series um which makes sense obviously uh, yeah you got because, what you needed yeah, right? yeah i got what i needed out of it I had a great time you know cried a little bit went to my uh great aunt's grave and uh gave her <laughs> my like rally towel I, I, went to, I went to one of the games i went to game five did uh, you awesome yeah it was really cool like my dad is always, I can always count on my dad for like really reckless and spontaneous sports decisions. Um, And he lives in Washington, like the state. And I was in (laughs) New York at the time. And I was like, hey, should we go to a game in Chicago? And he was like, yeah, okay. And then I was like, no, really? Like, and it was like the next day. So then we, we did it. And we got flights and we met in Chicago. And then we bought a ticket on StubHub. I think we paid like five hundred dollars for like standing room only each um Oof. which is I mean, kind of a lot, lot it's but, a lot it's, yeah. but it was yeah, worth it it seems
0: lower than i would have thought though weirdly
2: right and it was a game where uh the indians could have won it all that night so um the cubs won and then it went to cleveland for the next two games um so that was really cool anyways but yeah i've kind of tuned i've I, not that i've tuned out but you know, once it was clear, you know, after this season, you kind of, you know, need to sort of back the truck up. I don't think that's really what they're doing right now. Um, But it's kind of like a starting over point, I feel like. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I don't love it. I don't love what's going on.
0: Yeah. What they're doing is arguably more depressing to me than actually tanking out, which yeah. is like they like they dumped some salary and now they're trying to do the Indians were the team that did this the most for the longest time because all the other teams in that division were trash where they're just the cubs are trying to figure out how much worse they can get and still maybe get a wild card spot
2: right and that's ah, just like yeah. really the old really feels Dolan calculated technique. Yeah, yeah
0: right and but it's so cynical like i just the idea of it like i think they they made some decent signings like they've added some decent players but like they also traded you darvish for like three right. guys that are 17 years old and <laughs> And whatever, not... Uh, I keep wanting to say the wrong Davies. It's Zach Davies. It's it's yeah. very... It's I'm very remembering very dis- a guy when I shouldn't be remembering a guy. I want to say <laughs> Kyle. It's very discouraging
1: when your team is strategically mediocre because... Yeah. Because when they suck, there's at least the idea that the suckiness will pay off, like, you know, process-style, like, down the road. Right. But you, can, you can maintain strategic mediocrity
2: forever. For you a long just, time.
1: Yeah, you can be a shit-ass... Eighty-one and eighty-one team in baseball, or you know you can be, or you can be forty-one and forty-one in basketball. It's like forever. Like it's it's easy. It couldn't yeah. be easier.
2: And then it's you get your hopes up, like the last few years. I'm like, oh yeah, play it postseason, yeah. And then it just goes nowhere. Yeah. So it's also it,
0: impressive because the Rickets have managed to like they've done all the things that you should do from a position of strength while taking the team apart where they're like, yeah, we made a new cable channel. You have to pay to watch it. (laughs) Also like we somehow made Wrigleyville worse. Like that was on, that was on purpose. Yeah.
2: (sighs) I, I will say that I really, I am like a purist and I was mad with all the construction that they've done. And it's still Wrigleyville, but it's like, feels like kind of commercialized, you know?
1: Yeah. It used to be about the drunken shit face people. Pooping right. themselves, <laughs> like in the street. It used to be about that. And now <laughs> people are trying to make money. <laughs> Once they
0: got rid of the urinal troughs, they knew it was over.
2: <laughs>
1: let's take a break and come right back. Oh, we're back. All right, let's get into our stupid shit. Kalen, uh would you like to play dead or canceled, Kalen?
2: Sure. I feel like I'm not going to know any of the people that you mentioned though cuz i've well, listened to this a few times in the past and i'm like no recognition.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's been there's been a lot of boomer choices. Hopefully <laughs> yeah, uh hopefully the boomer hopefully hopefully it won't be too boomery this time around. All right. So then Kale and Kayler, you have to pick between dead or canceled. Is this person dead or canceled. Slate podcast host Mike Pesca. Is he dead or canceled? <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. okay, this was an easy one. Canceled. <laughs> <That's> cheating. <laughs> canceled.
1: Yes, that's right. He is indeed <laughs> canceled. You know that Mike Pesca, there's something fishy about that
0: guy. No, huh? Huh? Is, you already put that in slack and everybody was like, "Great job, Drew. Yeah. you, know, you got to put it on the damn podcast. I
1: yeah. never got to say it publicly, so I always wanted to do that. I, and now my dream has come true. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, Mike Pesca, the guy uh, the Slate guy who uh, was suspended by Slate as reported by Real Kelsey McKinney, because he was just dying. Dying to know why he couldn't say the N-word as a he white man. He
0: needs person. to say the word. It's <laughs> important to him to yeah. say the
1: word. It's about it's about freedom. It's about pride yeah. and heritage and freedom.
0: Your guy of the week.
1: Uh I had I had Von Hazen here, Roth, but then I realized that Kalen uh, <laughs> was not alive during yeah, his lane <laughs> career. Yeah. <laughs> I Googled him. I Googled
2: yeah. him before, and it was like when he retired in nineteen ninety-two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was- I, was, I was born in ninety-three, so I was like, whoosh. No I idea.
1: remember. I remember any baseball player who wears glasses. So like Von Hayes wore glasses. I was like, I remember that guy. And then I don't know, Bob. He Hamlin was the or type of
0: shit. baseball player that they don't make anymore either. Because he was like six foot four and extremely skinny, but a hitter. They don't do that now. Everybody's just a rectangular guy named Cody, and they're all from like one <laughs> of three Dallas suburbs, and that's it. <laughs> so to that end, you have a different guy of the week.
1: Your guy of the week, and I. I this might be still might be too old, Kaelin Kaler, Do you remember? Najee Mustafa, a.k.a. Reggie Rutland. Born Reggie Rutland,
0: became Najee Mustafa, cornerback for the Cleveland Browns. No. Yeah, all right, that's all right. <laughs> I remembered him as Reggie Rutland. I didn't realize that he had converted and changed his name. He changed his name while he was playing, so
1: he played as Reggie Rutland for a long time, and then um, I think what it was when he was with Cleveland he changed his name to Najee Mustafa. Same that's- as... Uh, um, Oh, God. I'm going to forget Mahmoud abdul uh Chris Jackson. Which it was Chris easily, Jackson, right. Yeah. I did not want to get that wrong. Although, Mahmoud abdul Roof would be more offended if I got his current name wrong. Yes, it's true. As opposed to his old name. All right. So uh, then, before we open up the fun bag, we have to drink one more time for the poison Chalice. I think we am going to take it out of the podcast, Roth. Are you okay with that? Okay. I Well, I'm trying to wean myself off of hate reading. In fact, I'll have a post about it. Oh. Stay on defector.com. Oh, wow. But, That's good synergy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, instead of dipping from the usual suspects, I want to go back uh, to some old school hot takers. Uh, and this is right in your wheelhouse, Roth. This is Andrea Peiser of the New York Post. Oh, yeah. Yes. Someone who has been contributing to the poison chalice f- far, way before our careers even it's began. Her,
0: it, it's her job to so, write shitty, gross things. Yep. For Absolutely. the newspaper.
1: Like, if there is a gross, disgusting person out there, she will rush to their immediate defense. To that end, <laughs> here's your New York Post headline from two days ago. Put me on Team Woody. Mia Farrow is full of it. That's the headline, and I'm Classic. not going to read a goddamn word beyond it. Yeah.
0: That. <laughs> that's a good choice, though. That's self-care right there. I mean, Kaelin, do I, you are you familiar with uh,
2: Andrea Peiser's work at all? I'm actually not. I think that's I mean, for the Every city best. has
0: one, but she's like... The New York Post lady that is basically, um, it's like kind of a designated slut shamer type mm-hmm. gig. But then yeah. periodically she's stuff where she's like, "I think about how people are mean to the cops, and I wa- I get so mad I just want to cry." And that's her whole thing.
1: <laughs> I remember when John Gotti died, and uh, and it was back when like Steve Dunleavy was alive and working oh, for the yeah. Post. Oh well, alive. And it was alive. like, it was Let's like throw he some was tone a, quotes on that. He was a gentleman, and like it was a full. They had a. When John Gotti died, the fucking the Post had a full
0: commemorative issue, incredible, dedicated to John Gotti. We all and like, will always remember how you kept fucking getting arrested. Yeah, <laughs> it was
1: like it was like the last ethical criminal. <laughs> you know, it was, so,
0: that is the most honestly. If you had to try to explain the New York Post to a person and they didn't have it, you'd be like, "Well, they did a commemorative edition." When, uh, the like, the city's most arrestable mob boss got arrested for the, like, when he died. <laughs> A prince among men. Uh, let's open up the uh, the
1: fun bag. And, oh, God, I can't find the person who wrote this one. Wait. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just consult the Google
0: machine real quick. All Throw right. It, hang on.
1: No. All right. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna call this person anonymous, but... It's a good question. Uh, Kalen, this is from an anonymous person. Who I would say their name, except I can't find their name right now. He wants to know, what is the least satisfying way to win a football game? He offers a few options. Penalty non-call, uh, well, technically officiating, like the tuck rule, an officiating error, like the uh, fail Mary, questionable opponent's coaching, like Pete Carroll versus Malcolm Butler or Matt LaFleur kicking a field goal against the Bucks, or anybody versus Anthony Lynn, as he points out. The other team just <laughs> blows it or shenanigans. His his example was the band on the field, like the like the play, which I would love to win a game. Yeah,
2: the, that's really satisfying.
1: Yeah, that's that deeply satisfying. Year. Yeah. So Any what is the what is the least satisfying stuff? way to win a football game?
2: I'm leaning towards either questionable opponent coaching. Or a penalty non call,
1: yeah, and you can go outside of the options by the way, please, yeah,
2: please. well, i 'm leaning towards those those two, because you know questionable opponent coaching you didn 't really you didn 't really do anything, you don 't feel like you really won that, you know, and I think that 's the heart of this question is you got to feel like you won or you got to feel the excitement, and I guess questionable opponent coaching could still be exciting. Because, like, you know, the Matt LaFleur example there, kicking a field goal, you might be like, what is he going to do? And then you can get all angry about it, like, because anyone who watches football should be angry about it, regardless of, you know, whether you're the Buccaneers or not. Um, So maybe I'm going to take that one out. I'm going to go penalty non-call.
0: What do you think? The questionable coaching is such a good answer to me. I I mean, Kalen makes a good point, and I think that's true. But it's like uh, if the idea is that you walk away from it somehow disgusted with the outcome that you went into the game wanting, then the idea of it being like, I don't know, I guess they just kept fucking kicking field goals for some reason. But uh, we're on to Cincinnati. (laughs) like That, to me, would be as unsatisfying as it could get. This side of like you know the actual I guess like anything to do with officiating is annoying.
1: I have a couple outside of these. One is that your team plays like absolute shit, but the other team is so bad and plays so badly that you just you come out with a desultory like ten seven win, mm-hmm. and you just want to die afterwards. Like you fucking it doesn't feel like a win at all. Mm-hmm. Spend three uh, and a half
0: hours watching something that sucks on TV.
1: Yeah, yeah, or like or like you you or your team is really good. Like the Steelers and like they eke out a win over like I don't know Auburn, like by like <laughs> like nine to six. Like that sucks. And then the last one is and this is this is an objective one. This isn't like if it's my team. I hate when a team is behind by less than a field goal and they and they do a they like there's like two or three minutes left. They do a long drive and they get into field goal range with like a minute and a half to go, and the other team has no timeouts left, and they just sit on the ball so they can kick a cursory field goal to win the game.
0: Oh yeah, like I've, as the as the clock expires, I hate I mm-hmm. hate that
1: shit. It's the least exciting way to have a walk off field goal in history, and I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. What about what about what's the least satisfying way to win a basketball game, Kaelin?
2: Ugh, I am not. I don't really watch a lot of basketball. To
1: be you don't have way. to. You can. You can.
2: Um, I would say okay. Well, I would say like a, like a penalty non-call. I would say the same thing because from personal experience, I'm a Northwestern basketball fan. And
1: <laughs> you said that, you said that very low. And
2: yeah. I, Well, it's been a bad year for us. Um, the, what? The a
1: Northwestern? What? Yeah.
2: Um, and in the tournament, the one time that we made the tournament, um, <laughs> which is really great. That came like right after the Cubs World Series too. I was like, what is happening in the world? Yeah. Um <laughs> We lost our second game. Be- I say because of a goaltending non-call, and it totally changed the whole momentum. Like the Gonzaga dude, like had his hand inside the net. I, I remember
1: God. that game. Yep, I remember that. So
2: that would t- to me, yeah, that's yeah. I think that's my answer.
0: Well, you look because you lost that game now. Yep. Way, right. Yeah, that sucks.
2: Yeah. The
0: NBA is really breaking new ground on the um the appeals. Process to and reviews and shit, which is yeah. like that's been there's been a couple of really brutal ones like games that are, are very good and then like their last two minutes take like you know, when like college teens play like the foul game and like the last five minutes of a game uh, takes like 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah, college
1: is actually worse for that.
0: Yeah, well, this any, is like yeah. NBA's figured out a way to make those last three minutes take that amount of time, <laughs> but it's just like it's three white guys with slick back hair in gray t shirts hunched over a console. And then they, like, tell Kevin Harlan what they saw. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> like, this is really grim. I don't like
1: that, and I don't like the, the like, your, sort of your hands team of foul shooting being out. So, like, you've got, I don't know. You've got, like, a, a you know, a theoretically surmountable lead, like five or six with, like, a minute left. And the other team's just going to foul you, and you're going to ice some free throws, and it's just like, it's more like a – it's like – it's by the time it's over, it's like academic. Like it's just sort of like yeah. we're, we're playing out the idea of you being able to win and beat us, but it's actually not really going to happen. Yeah, so
0: you win the basketball cool. game and then you win the contest of not missing one out of two free throws every time you do it.
1: <laughs> right. uh, Kalen, uh, this is from Sean. He writes in, a couple years back, me and my buddy nearly got into a fight with a guy. We were in the right, just trust me, a person on the internet about this. And we definitely would have won. Again, just take my word for it. But we ultimately walked away because we were 25 and he was 16. And there's no universe where the cops will accept, yeah, officer, we beat up this big child. But trust me, he had it coming. So my question is, what are the age differences where fighting is unacceptable? Setting aside the fact that most people fighting are idiots, can a 30-year-old fight a 50-year-old? Can a twenty-two-year-old fight a forty-year-old? What are the age lines where it's just not acceptable to fight?
2: Wow. Well, this is interesting. <laughs> As a person who's never been in a physical uh, fight before, I don't really have the expertise here. But there's still time. You know, yeah. there is there is still time. I Even did in once, this podcast. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I caught a woman once stealing my wallet, and I called her out, but it didn't come to blows. Um,
1: did she give it back?
2: She did not, but she ran a block away and then dumped it on the sidewalk. And none, of my, none of my friends believed me. I was like, she stole it. I know it. And they were like, it's at the bar. Just go back to the bar. Go back to wow. the bar. It's fine. Wow. And your I friends was like, threw you under the bus. Yep. So moral of the story is support your friends when you think they're crazy. Um, but I would
0: have liked it if she just gave it back. If you were like, you stole I, my wallet. And she's like, fair play. You're good.
2: <laughs> you I, got I me. Have, <laughs> I wouldn't have done anything. Like... All oh, sawy. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I would say probably my answer would be like if they're like a lifetime older than you, so like thirty to sixty, you know, where the difference is like your same lifetime, that would probably be my limit. Because I was actually just having a text argument with my dad, and he pulled this crap like, "I'm fifty nine years old. I've lived a life. Who are you to tell me this?" And I was like. I'm sorry, I didn't know I couldn't argue with someone who was just older than me. I'm sorry, like, didn't know I wasn't qualified for that. So I would say you can't fight with someone who's, like, a whole lifetime older than Like, you. it's generational. Like, Your lifetime older than you, yeah.
0: I think generational is a good uh, breakdown there. Although that wouldn't exactly have gotten our, our uh, emailer <laughs> off the hook on fighting no. a, a junior in high school.
1: <laughs> yeah, but see, then, like, I wouldn't be able to fight, like... Mitch McConnell, like I should be able to beat the shit out of Mitch McConnell. Like oh, that should be socially true.
0: acceptable. You I think he's I mean? old enough that it would be rude if you if you fought Mitch McConnell.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, but I don't fair. care. If, I I don't know. I I think. <laughs> I, here's what I think. I think. I think definitely you shouldn't beat up a minor. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Right? All right. So we'll, let's lay out some ground rules. Things right. you shouldn't do. Well, I think it's less a no matter minors. of minors. I think it's no, a matter don't of fight children. I think it's matter of, so hard. I think it's less about age than about ability. Like. There are like there are fifty-year-olds who are like in really good shape and can beat the fucking shit out of like a twenty-five-year-old. But then there are like fifty-year-olds who very much look and act fifty, and like in fact they look seventy. And then it's like you know if the guy's walking around with a cane and shit like that, then it, then I think it's tough. I, I think yeah. I think it just in general I think it has to be adults and then adults. I would say uh, I mean it's I, a
2: gut feel.
1: It's a gut feel, but I, I want to say I want to put Kalen's. I want to give a definitive number for Kalen, so I'll I'll say 30 years. So like I'm 44, so if I fought a 74-year-old,
0: that would be <laughs> oh, bad. You I could cannot. almost fight Mitch McConnell though. Yeah, yeah. How well, that's is different. How old is he? McConnell's like 80.
2: Okay. You yeah.
0: Everyone should be allowed to beat the shit out of Mitch McConnell.
2: It's
0: just, you know what was a, a good trend that it, it went away, uh, but during the, the the protest season when people would th- just throw milkshakes on like a uh, yeah like Nigel Farage or however <laughs> you say his that. name, that was I think that is like the appropriate amount of because it's not you're not really going to hurt anybody, mm-hmm. but it is it is extremely undignified to just be walking <laughs> around covered in like the shamrock shake.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think you that's what you deserve. If you're Nigel Farage or whoever you say your name, people should be able to throw shamrock shakes at you for being the way you are.
1: Uh, this is from Lou. This is our last one, Kalen. Uh, my three-year-old son happened to grab one of our butter knives that happens to have a sharp tip on it. And after sprinting across the room to nab it from him, I was wondering why a butter knife would have a sharp tip. Then the next leap in logic. Why do any knives have sharp tips? I've tried to think over a lifetime of cooking... I've only had to use a tip when knives are dull, which I don't let happen anymore. And I've definitively jammed myself at washing dishes and the general worry of my still-learning motor skills toddler baby stabbing himself. My wife, our cats, and myself looms omnipresent. A friend suggested the tips are handy for carving radishes into flowers, but again, three-year-old. <laughs> Is there any reason not to grind all the fucking tips of knives down for every knife we have but one? The, the radish, knife. Do, you, do the you radish support, knife. do you support knife tips, Kalen?
2: Uh probably not. No, but every time I've cut myself with a knife, it's just been the blade. So <laughs> I yeah. don't know if I I don't know if I really have a personal vendetta against the tip of the knife in general.
0: It is uh, definitely a point though that like cooking-wise, you don't have to do a lot of stabbing. Right. You don't unless unless okay, so like I
1: have I have dull knives that need to be sharpened and sometimes to get the process going, I have to pierce it like if I'm slicing an orange or something, I got pierce the skin, and then I got a little I got a little slit, and then I can put the main part of the blade in and begin my actual handiwork. But sometimes like the surface, if it's a little tough, I need that piercing ability. That and that's my that's
0: my sterling defense. Of I think knife the tips. reason that a knife would have a tip or should have a tip. I'm really looking forward to we have Just a wonderful number of like food service and food professionals who listen to the podcast and (laughs) will like send me notes and be like, You don't even know what a broiler is, do you? You don't, (laughs) you don't know how it works. And I have to be like, Oh, all kinds of things work. Okay. (laughs) I remember Kevin Moss. But I think that with a knife having a point, it's the whenever I've had to use a knife to cut something that is unyielding, like if I have to—I'm going to have to cut an acorn squash in half later today, for instance, that, like, I lever it against the cutting board, and that, like, that point is sort of, like, the pivot, and then I I go downward from there. The fulcrum. Yes, right, there you go. That's the word uh, that I would have used had I known what a fulcrum was. (laughs) There's a lot of things that I don't know, I guess is what my point is here, but also that I think that, like, a point would help you there in terms of giving you, like, a sort of a sharper angle and and more of a— more force.
1: What if, like me, you don't own a gun and you daydream about a robber breaking in, and you know that, like, in a in an important moment, you're going to need a butcher knife to do some damage to that guy and really get That's, really get pointy with them. Like you had
0: that. to use like a safety scissors in that situation. Yeah, that would be, be bad. Like yeah. if I'm like,
1: all all I got is this fucking santoku knife, and it doesn't, you know, and the you know the, the blade's no good for that. Like I need to be able to, I need to be able to thrust with the knife <laughs> rather than just swing with it. That's,
0: Yeah, let's – should we just end the podcast with Drew? We should absolutely end it that way. Brandon Hicks is
1: the producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario (laughs) is our executive (laughs) producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to Roth and Kalen and me, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Go to StitcherPremium.com and use the promo code STRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to Defector.com right now as well because – Kalen is here, and she Laura works for Wagner us. is here, and Justin Ellis is here. We are growing. It's just astonishing. We're going to take over the whole world. We're actually yeah. not
0: going to do that. We, no, mean, but we are going to do more
1: posts. Yeah, we're going to do more posts. We might be able to like pay ourselves like even better salaries like at some point. <laughs> so that would be really, really cool. Thank you, Kalen. Thank you, yeah, Roth.
0: Thanks,
2: thanks for having me. Excited to be part of the team. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. 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 We'll Bye. see you next week.